us today, we have a very special guest. Albert Poland is joining us by telephone. Broadway fans will know Albert's name from more than 20 Broadway productions in which he was a general manager and producer of countless, countless other productions off-Broadway and tours and around the world. I think, you, Albert, you were the first one to launch a national tour of the Fantastics back in the 60s. Was that true? It's true. It was, it was the first off-Broadway show to play first-class theaters. Um, and I was 24 at the time, and it was quite an adventure. <laughs> how did you, uh, did you see a production of the Fantastics and say, I've got to be involved with this, or how did that come about? My friend David Cryer, who I had done summer stock with, was playing El Gallo, and so that's how I happened to see it at Sullivan Street. Mm-hmm. And I just fell absolutely in love with it. I, I, I love it every bit as much today. Um, I must say, the first time I saw it, I identified with the boy. Since then, I've identified with El Gallo. <laughs> that's what life has done. Uh, but I fell in love with it, and David, uh, David's wife at the time, Gretchen, <clears throat> had written a play with Nancy Ford, a musical called Now It's the Time for All Good Men. And David suggested we might produce it together. And I said, well, you know, we should, we should sort of start out slowly and break ourselves in. And I suggested we do a college tour of the Fantastics <clears throat> with him in it and the best of the people that I had seen in it in New York. And that's what we did. We were out for 13 weeks. It, may, it did very, very nicely, and someone approached us to do a national tour that would open at the Schubert in New Haven, um, and we used the profits from the college tour to finance that, and it was on the road for two years, uh, and, and it was just an amazing uh, adventure and a great learning experience, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, to, to be part of such an institution like the Fantastics uh, is just amazing. Did the Notos have any uh, have any play in the tour? We had Lori, and you know, we had Lori's blessing, and um, and since it was the subsidiary, the investors in the New York production received a portion of our royalties uh, from the tour. Um, and Tom and Harvey were very, very actively involved in it, and they were just wonderful. Um, we, when, when we were doing the college tour, one of the deans said, your office is not in the theater district. And he said, I'm, I'm very wary of this. So Tom wrote him a letter oh. saying that our cast was the best of the New York company so far, and he couldn't recommend it enough. And we got three performances at that college and about five or six other colleges as a result. Um, and, you know, I made his letter into a flyer. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's one of many experiences and stories that uh, just illustrate an amazing, amazing career in the New York theater world. Uh, You also, 2019 was a year in which you published a book called Stages, a theater memoir. So tell us about Stages. Well, I've been working on it off and on for 25 years. Um, there were periods when I said, who will care about this? You know, and I, I put it away for five years and did nothing. Um, but I finally ended up writing it for myself. I said, you know, I really loved this, and I think I'll just write it down. Um, 
and that that enabled me to really get into it and and once I had that momentum, I really went like a house of fire and uh, and I had you know two wonderful agents pursuing publishers, um, but no one was interested and so I published it myself as you can see from the book i 'm not a daunted person <laughs> you know i want I want to move ahead with things um, and publishing it myself was just an amazing adventure. Um, I really learned a lot. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot to be said for publishing it yourself. Um, I am completely happy with the, with, with the product, I, you know, which is a wonderful thing. I, I don't, I wasn't compromised by anyone. Um, and I'm happy with every bit of it. And my royalties are, are much larger than they would be if I had a publisher. Mm-hmm. Of course, I had to put out money to publish it. Sure. But uh, overall, I have loved the experience because it's been an enthralling, involving experience. Um, which is what I live for. The book has got stories uh, about people like Judy Garland, Betty Davis, Hugh Jackman, Vanessa Redgrave, Uta Hagen, Truman Capote, Sam Shepard, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's only the first line. That's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, and the, none of these people have very uh, uh, sparkling tales, do they, do? Well, you know, I mean, I love talent, I worship talent. Uh, and as you know, I cut my teeth on Judy. I started her fan club I when, I was, uh, yeah. when I was 14 years old. I had the audacity to call her up on the phone. And, you know, that was in 1955. And in 55, a long distance call carried a lot of weight. You know, it wasn't like now. If mm-hmm. if a family had one or two a year, that would be amazing. Um, and we had an, I had an operator that was as excited as I was, so we looked all <laughs> over Hollywood for her phone number, and we finally got it from Warner Brothers. Um, and I had a script all typed up, and you know, my hands were sweating profusely, just like they are now as I'm telling you this. <laughs> And I said, you know, Miss Garland, my name is Al Poland, and I, I'm president of a fan club for you. And she said, a fan club for me? How wonderful. And I dropped the script on the floor and she said, oh, Judy, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you living at the time? Indianapolis, Indiana. Indianapolis. So you're from the... In, the, you're the I'm the from Hoosier the Midwest. State. Yes. And how did the how did a Hoosier get to New York? As quickly as possible. <laughs> the first chapter of my book is stop, called "Stop the Midwest." I want to get off. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was listening to Manhattan Tower probably when I was eight years old. Um, I just always had the dream of going to New York, and I went to college for one year to please my parents. I did four shows and said, what am I doing? I can, I can just do shows. I don't have to go to rock study class, you know? And, uh, so a friend of mine and I just took off for New York. I was 19 years old and I never looked back. That's un, un you know, unbelievable to hear so many stories of how people just throw caution to the wind and get on a bus and come to New York. Yeah. It, it was, it was true. It was, you know, I view my whole life and career as a romance. You know, it it felt like a romance to me. It didn't feel like nuts and bolts and pushing numbers and so on. It was, and and the people I knew were so romantic, you know. 
what were the first couple of days when you got to New York? How, did you have a plan? It sounds like you typed up a, a script when you spoke to Miss Garland. So did you have a plan? Well, to please, to please my parents, I went to the American Theater Wing. Uh-huh. And so I, when I arrived at the airport, I took a cab to the Theater Wing to audition uh, for Helen Menken. They had a school. Um, and I was I was so green that I walked out on stage carrying my suitcase because I thought somebody might steal it. Um, and I noticed that Miss Menken and her assistant were rolling their eyes. <laughs> and uh, somehow I got through the audition. She told me later, she said, you were the greenest thing that ever crossed the threshold, darling. <laughs> and uh, so that was, you know, so there was a structure uh, for the first year, you know. And, uh, and from there, I just jumped onto the stage, you know. Um, I did summer stock. I was in a nightclub act. I was in the bus and truck of The Sound of Music. And um, I, I hated auditions. Uh, and and I went to work for a company that owned vending machines in the subway. And and they were, it was a brilliant company. They had 800 different operations. And they taught me the principles of business. And I thought, this is, I could get back into the theater and not have to audition. I could give people jobs. Mm. And, and that's what I did. And that's how David and I you know, came about to produce the Fantastics. Uh, and then now it's the time for All Good Men. How did you make the transition into uh, Broadway productions? Uh, I wasn't working off-Broadway. And and uh, John Glines, who who you know was a great man of the theater. He had the Glines, which produced gay theater of all kinds and stripes. Um, you know, they won the Tony for um, Torch Song trilogy, and and he was just a wonderful man. And and they had a show that started off Broadway called As Is. It started at Circle Rep by Bill Hoffman, uh, and John came to see me, and he said, I want you to do this, because I want somebody who has one foot in off-Broadway, and I want, I want off-Broadway thinking in the way this show is going to be managed. And I said, well, I would be honored, and so that was my first Broadway show, and I, and I was friends with Jerry Schoenfeld and Bernie Jacobs, because through a set of circumstances, they had been my original lawyers before uh-huh. they became the Schuberts. Uh-huh. So we had an ongoing friendship, um, and I took I took as is to Bernie, and he came in for two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. Wow! You know, which was which was half. He, I, I'm sorry, he came in for a hundred and a quarter. Lucille Ortel came in for another hundred and a quarter, and that was our half of the five hundred we needed. Um, and so that was my first Broadway show. Um, and then, of course, the second one was The Grapes of Wrath, which I also took to the Schuberts. Um, Steppenwolf had approached me, and uh, and I went to see it, and I just was bowled over. I thought, well, I think it's it's the, it's the greatest piece of theater that I've been involved with. Um, it was the artistic high point uh, in my career. Uh, I, and I had several. I mean, certainly Long Day's Journey and Tonight with Vanessa and everyone was a magnificent, you know, production. Uh, was that Long Day's Journey the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman? It was, yes. That uh, I had seen that production that uh, was just uh, an unbelievable piece of theater. 
Uh, Wasn't it? Some of the other things that you've been involved with, The Boy from Oz, uh, you have Gore Vidal's The Best Man, The King mm-hmm. Mutiny Court uh, Marshal, Glengarry Glenn mm-hmm. Ross. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a 2005 production of Glengarry. Oh, it, was uh, per- it was a perfect production. The opening night was the most perfect opening night I have ever, ever seen. And Joe Mantello is the director. I think he's such a fine, fine director. That's a cast with Alan Alda, Gordon Clapp, Lee Schreiber, Jeffrey Tambor, Frank Weller, Tom Wopat, Jordan Lange. I, I mean, stunning. Just uh, unbelievable. They were stunning cast. So, mm-hmm. uh, what do you take away from the way in which uh, Broadway has changed in the last ten years? Well, the one you know, I loved collaborate. I loved collaboration first of all. And I loved collaborating with one or two producers who were really producers, you know, and, yeah, and I love what you mean by that. Well, I loved working with real producers, you know, and and there would be an exchange of ideas, you know, and and I often did things that were really would be outside the realm of general managing. Um, You know, I came up with ideas for designers or theaters or investors. You know, I I think I took a kind of creative approach that didn't have to do so much with making budgets, although I've certainly did that. and I loved that. Uh, I loved working with great producers, you know, like Cameron and and Robert Fox and and Bernie Jacobs. Um, you know, I, I I just found it stimulating and and really as exciting as it could get. But as it began to evolve into committees of twenty people who wrote a check and therefore had a seat at the table and had to mm. be listened to. Uh, I didn't like it, um, and and I, ha- I I could feel an ongoing anger, you know, coming up in me, and um, and all, I was continuing to get good shows, and I thought, you know, it would be disrespectful to quit while I'm getting such good shows, but after five years of that, I just found that I was not enjoying myself, and 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 fun is an important element of my life. I insist on it. <laughs> And um, and so, you know, my last show was The Homecoming. And um, being a romantic, I love the idea of my last show being called The Homecoming. <laughs> sure. So uh, such an extraordinarily uh, deep roots into the New York theater community, not only through the league, but through uh, organizations like the Actors Studio. Um, and we've just had uh, the information that Jack Garfine has passed away and uh, you knew Jack pretty well. So why don't you tell us about Jack's life? Well, uh, you know, Jack, of course, was was in 11 concentration camps. Um, and he was finally rescued by the British uh, in 1945 from Bergen-Belsen. And he, and he was the only survivor in his family. Uh, and so he was burdened with the guilt being the only survivor, but also blessed because he did survive. Um, he was brought to New York and lived with an uncle, and he had very caring sponsors um, who discovered that he had a, uh, a passion for the theater. And he, you know, worked his way into into off-Broadway and Broadway very, very quickly, and he became involved with the actor studio. He's one of the early people of the studio. And, and he and Paul Newman started the uh, West Coast Actor Studio in Los Angeles. Um, 
you know, and, and he, he, he just, when I met him, um, you know, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll just read you this little paragraph from my book. Um, this is my first meeting with him. And I said, I have never met anyone as steeped in world culture, art, and literature as Jack Garfine. I knew early in our first meeting that I could really devote myself to giving him the best I had to offer as his friend and general manager. And that's what I did. That's, uh, uh, did you guys, uh, do any projects together? We did the price. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was our first, that was what he was interviewing me for when I met him. Um, and, uh, you know, I was involved early on in the American clock, but, uh, we, I, I parted ways with him on it because I didn't like some of the choices that were made. And, you know, and I just feel as a friend, I have to be honest. Um, and so I left, I left the project and I, I had thought that it was a great play. Um, and, and by the time it got to Broadway, I felt that it had been diminished, um, I, I love Arthur Miller's writing. Um, you know, I saw a play called Finishing the Picture at Goodman in Chicago. Uh, the producers asked me to come out and give my opinion. And it was a really forthright, humorous, honest look at the making of The Misfits. You know, it didn't, it didn't uh, you know, take the dodge that the other play, I can't think of the name of it now, I'm sure you know it, um, that he wrote about that. Um, it was, it was on the scene and the characters were, you know, John Houston and Marilyn, of course, and, and, and Lee, uh, Strasberg and, and, uh, Anna, um, you know, it was just amazing. Um, and, 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 and the, you know, reviews criticized it for being critical of Marilyn. Um, so that was kind of the end of it. Robert Falls directed it. Oh, okay. So, uh, what do you hope to get out of, uh, 2020? Are you, uh, still actively, um, uh, seeing shows on Broadway and, uh, getting together with friends and what, what's your plans for 2020? Um, you know, I want to continue, uh, you know, promoting my book and, and doing whatever I can to bring it to an audience. Uh, the response from the uh, theater community has been overwhelming. I, I, you know, Michael Riedel wrote that everyone he knew in the New York theater was reading my book. <laughs> and, you know, and, and my Facebook page has been flooded with people, you know, praising it and loving it. And, um, and it's selling quite well. Um, it's not approaching the New York Times bestseller list, but I'm very pleased. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of rolling with that. Uh, I'm, I retired in 08. And I love my retirement. I love it as much as I love my career, and it's the complete opposite. You know, I have a little French provincial house uh, out in the country near Wappingers Falls. Okay. And, and I'm right next to nature and the animals, you know, deer and all those. Uh, and, and, oh, and the wild turkeys, which are just so delightfully eccentric. Um, you know, and I'm loving that. Uh, uh, and, and as I say, it's, I, and I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, I retired in time to enjoy my retirement with decent health, you know, um, that's a very, very important thing. And, and I <clears throat> had put on Facebook that Jack's, Jack got married last August to, um, 
Natalia Repolovsky, uh and 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 the wed- their wedding was one that was one of the two happiest moments of the year for me. The other being my book party. Um, it was just a full-hearted day with people surrounding Jack who loved him. Um, <clears throat> the ceremony was beautiful, and it was just. You know, it was just a full-hearted, authentic day, uh, the kind of day that, you know, makes your life worth living. Oh, that's great to hear. Well, Albert, thank you so much for joining us on Broadway Radio. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk about your book and talk about Jack. Well, thank you, and I really appreciate you inviting me very, very much. Mm 